Welcome to Monster Crush, the podcast for monster lovers. Each week, we discuss some of the hottest cryptids, aliens, and paranormal entities the world has to offer. Along the way, we make fun of ourselves, learn useless information, and discover our monster crush. Will you make it to a second date? Hi, everyone. Welcome. Hi. I am recording today with Derek Sword. That's right. A different Derek. You've had you've had a Derek on before. That's true. Not... I did have I had Archmage Derek. Right. I don't have that title, but I have a cool last name. So it balances. Yes, you have the title of Sword. So. That's right. That's right. My my dad gave it to me. That I mean, I I know you probably get this all of the time. But that's such a wicked last name. You know, um, I think the the tough thing, because you and I, of course, we know each other from the TTRPG community. I think a lot of people think it's made up or it's taken for granted. Um, yeah, no, it's it's real. Um, yeah, it's, I, I got it from my family and everything. It's on my birth certificate. Yes, it, it is a cool one. I, I like it. All right. It's good. Do you think that your father and your mother, your parents... Ever considered naming you something really ballsy like Steel or like Magnum? Uh, no, we, so not to give away like the secrets of, you know, like, oh, your mother's maiden name or anything. My mom's maiden name is actually Black. Um, So she did say that she tried to sell my father on combining their last names to make it Black Sword. That would have been awesome. Uh, But no, my name was actually almost Dewey. Because my family has a thing for, for D names. Dewey Sword? Yeah. Oh, boy. Wolf, right? Is that a little doggers I hear in the background? Uh, if you hear click clacks, yes, that is my buddy. That is my good boy, Saxon. Um, he's feeling a little needy right now. so, And we, we might get my other one down here, too. So I will try to keep the, the click clacks to a minimum. Oh, no, that's okay. We are definitely a pro-animal podcast, so all animal sounds. I've been attacked by my cat multiple times on air and live <laughs> during stream. So, Well, I, I got to say, I really appreciate you having me on. I have listened to all of Monster Crush. I absolutely love the concept here. I am I am no Ellie, so I apologize to, to listeners for that. Um, of course, nobody could be another Ellie. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here for, for this episode. I'm really glad that you, you asked me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. Ellie is hard at work on her PhD, so it's more and more difficult for us to time find time. We're also um, half a world apart, and unfortunately, we both work evenings, which <laughs> allows different, us... Different evenings, yeah. <laughs> different evenings. It is, it is my day, and it is her evening, and when it is my evening, it is her day, so... It's been difficult for us, but she is slaving away on her computer doing important things. Um, I'm just, you know, farting around, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ellie, you're awesome. Uh, I hope you come back soon. Yeah, yeah, she'll be back. She'll be back. She'll she'll be making lots of appearances, but I'm going to be populating episodes with guests, so we'll be able to meet lots of people. Um, if you're interested in being on an episode, just go ahead and shoot me a DM, either through the Monster Crushing or through my personal profile, and we can see if we can get something all worked out. But yeah. um, today's a special episode, one, because we have a guest, but also because I am not 
doing the I didn't do the research. So I'm right. I'm I'm in the surprise role. I'm the bait today, but also you prepped something a little different for us. I, I did. Um a lot of your guests I've noticed have done D and D stuff and while there is tons and tons out there, I wanted to get a little bit away from that. Uh, I'm kind of new to D and D, so I'm I'm certainly not the expert that you, that the other people you've had on uh, were. Um, I will say also to your point, yeah, if you like smooching monsters, absolutely uh, give Heavenly uh, a, a DM, get get on the show, it's awesome. Uh, but yes, my episode is actually going to focus on monster dating locations. Um, so I do want to say uh, just a trigger warning, kind of at the top. Um, these locations are real places. Um, some of them do have gross or kind of graphic uh, backgrounds to them. I did try to limit um, the graphic nature of it and, and kind of the, the bummer nature of some of these places. But like I said, these are real places. Uh, some of them had real people have horrible things to them. So we're, we're going to try to not make fun of them, but also respect um, what happened while at the same time uh, recognizing and um, respecting the, the mystery and the, the monstrosity of these places. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's dig right in. Um, well, actually, I, no, I have a question. So I have okay, a question for yeah, you. Yeah. So you are married. I am. Happily. So you had to woo another human being um, into some type of agreement. I did. I, I had I had to trick her in a way. Yeah. That's... <laughs> so where did where did you two go on your first date? Um, we actually uh, we met at in college. We met at a university party. Um, through mutual friends, and uh, she'll actually love that I tell this story. Uh, she uh, did a keg stand. I was in a fraternity in college. She was able to do a keg stand longer than any of my fraternity brothers. And Whoa. I know it was actually like impressive. And while there are that's two not... shocking facts in there. <laughs> That I was in One a fraternity. One that you were in a, fr- you were in a fraternity. I was and president other... <laughs> of my fraternity. What? What fraternity was it? Uh, Delta Chi. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't out, think we had Delta a Delta Chi at my school. It was, it was a good time. It was fun. But uh, but yeah, she was actually in a, in a sorority uh, a little bit later. She joined during her, her sophomore year. Uh, yeah, the, the I will say the first, I loved my fraternity. Um, it, it, had, it definitely had its ups and downs, as any group of people will. But um, yeah, the, the biggest impetus to me joining a fraternity was I had um, a very uncomfortable roommate, my, my freshman, like when I first moved in my freshman year, and I would have done anything just not to live with him anymore. <laughs> oh no, so, why? What did he do? Can you tell us? Um, it, it involved uh, a couple of times of just uh, walking in. Masturbating. Just, yeah, sec- seconds after I left. I mean, he did not wait at all. He also, he had a girlfriend that was going to a different college and he'd spent all waking hours, um, you know, just on Skype, but not talking verbally. He would only type oh. to her. But oh. then they would talk about me because I would be in the background because we were basically in a prison cell. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, just... All, all around, several other things. Yeah. Sorry, Brad, if you <laughs> listen to this. Um, shout out to Brad. Just wait two minutes before Brad. you start masturbating. That's just, you got to. What if they come back, you know? You got Someone it. always leaves something. But yeah, so. Oh, no, uh, I forgot it, my car keys. Oh, no. Brad. Oh, no. Brad. Literally. Brad. Literally. 
Uh, but yeah, our first date was at the campus Starbucks. Just, you know, because we, we met at a party. I wanted to actually talk to her and, and get to know her a little bit better. Um, and then, yeah, we did a couple other dates. I took her to, to Build-A-Bear for one of our first dates. Um, I always liked Build-A-Bear as a dating location because you get to have like that moment of creating something, uh, you know, and also having kind of like that memento. So she still has a uh, stuffed tiger. She made it at Build-A-Bear. Yeah. And name? even if you're adult, um, God, what is its name? It's okay. I want to have a name. It, I, it did. And I, I can't remember. It's, it's been years. Um, I want to say Jethro, but I think that was a stuffed panda she had. So at least I remember one of them. <laughs> maybe Quinn anyway yeah but even if you're adult they make you go through like the you know spinning around three times and wishing on the heart and all that kind of stuff so it's 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 cute it's a cute place take your girls to build a bear not if they're like 30 but like you know <laughs> college yeah, age is still okay in, in high school build a bear was the hot spot for dates okay See, I, I, I thought I made it up, but apparently, no, just no. great ideas. Okay. There are always high schoolers in Build-A-Bear. I think there are more high schoolers in there than there are actual children. That's fair. Yeah. So you two went to Starbucks for your first date. Pretty we did. standard fare. Uh, yeah. And you two have been together since college? We have. We've been uh, married for almost five years. It'll be five years in May. Um, yeah, and we've been together for over 10 now. Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. Do you think that she would like any of these locations that we're visiting today? Oh, fuck no. No. No, no not even a little bit. No. Uh, I, actually, I, she, she's a nurse. She does incredible, incredible work. She's a pediatric nurse. Um, she has, uh, particularly in the past, worked with um, kids with cancer. So my wife is literally a superhero. Um, but... So she works nights. So she actually worked uh, yesterday. And when she got home, she was like, oh, what are you working on? And I was like, oh, I'm doing, you know, just some last minute research for this episode. And I said, well, let me tell you about one of these spots. And she goes, honey, I love you. I just don't care right now. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I respect that. That's okay. <laughs> That's valid. <laughs> that is. You know, I like that too. It's, with... not, it's not I don't care. It's just like you've come at me at the wrong time. Right oh, yeah. now, I don't have the capacity to care. That's to and that's totally fair because you know, with I I'm a massive nerd. She's a massive nerd in her own right. We have a couple of crossovers. Like she's really into Harry Potter. I'm really into Lord of the Rings. You know, but sometimes, like when it comes to D and D and stuff like that, uh, she'll play. Uh, but she's definitely not as into it as I am. So every now and then, she's like, "Hey, if if I tell you to stop, it's just." It's, it's nothing against you. I'll listen to you later. It's just not right now. And that's relationships need, you know, set expectations, meet expectations. Nobody gets upset. That's, that's my relationship advice for, for this, for your, for your monster, uh, your monster mate, uh, set expectations, you know, don't, don't kill my family. Don't, uh, don't eat my yeah. livestock. Yes. Don't eat my livestock. Do you ever think that there was a farmer who, when they found out there was like a werewolf, like he like put on his best boots and he took a bath and he was like, I'm going to fuck that werewolf to save my livestock. <laughs> I'm sure that at some point somebody was like, you know what? We, we've been catching, you don't catch a lot of flies except with honey, you know, or whatever that yeah. saying is. So yeah, I'm sure there was somebody who was like, you know what, everybody, this bell witch has been fucking people up, but maybe she just needs a little, you know, just 
just a little quiet time. Little, little, little. Yeah. During like the vampire epidemic in Puritan, the United States of America in like the 1600s or whatever, there's like one teenager whose name is like Prayer Bell Jones. <laughs> that that is she... a that is a very yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> little Prayer Bell Jones and she, you know, puts on her lace choker and her best bonnet and she's like all right mother for the for the people i will seduce this vampire <laughs> for the people for the people for god and for his men i will seduce this vampire it's actually funny you brought up a werewolf a second ago um i was i love monsters which is kind of why i'm on this and i was doing research on obscure monsters and I found a werewolf, uh, which is, uh, it's like in Shetland lore, called the Vulver. And uh, it's said to have the body of a man with a wolf's head. And it's reported to have left fish on the windowsills of poor families. Yes. I know yeah. a bit of the Vulver. I've heard of him for sure. Yeah, he's just like, he's just, hey, you can't eat? Here, I got you a fish. Vulver away! He's from back in the day where it was very easy to become a werewolf. You could become a werewolf by drinking from drinking from the water collected in a wolf's Oh, like footprint. in the paw print, yeah. Um, you could become a werewolf by eating raw meat on the mm-hmm. full moon. You could become a werewolf if you were pregnant and a dog howled at you. Yeah, or it was like being like the seventh child of a seventh child or something. Yes, I think it, I think it's the seventh son of a seventh son. That's what like, it is. Guaranteed werewolf. It was it you it was back in the day. Kids these days they don't know how easy it was to become a werewolf. <laughs> they don't. Them with their their weird rituals and lycanthropy. You don't know how easy it was. And uh, while the rest of Europe was having, you know, a witch witch trials, Germany was having like a werewolf crisis. Oh, yeah. But I will say that it it just is a man with a wolf's head, which makes it kind of sound like he just found a like a wolf and then just like wore its head as a mask. And that like him leaving fish, it's weirdly reminiscent of the the TV head man. Have you heard of that? The one who leaves TVs on people's. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cryptid if I ever heard of one. Oh, yeah. We made a prediction. So so far, that person has come back every year. Mm-hmm. And the first year they left, I think, like, 12 TVs. And then the second year they left 60 TVs. So Ellie and I tried to do the math. And I think that next year he's he's going to leave, like, an exponential amount. I think he's going to leave upwards of 200 TVs. He has to. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we have actually a, a decent amount of stuff to cover. So I want to get into it before we, we delve any it. further. So, um yeah, essentially for this episode, uh, like I said, I'm going to be doing dating uh, locations where if things are serious, consider me like your monster real estate agent. Um, you can you can consider me like monster Yelp, which surprisingly Yelp still works. Um, uh, but uh, I did I did want to set so some this, criteria. Go ahead. Do you think this is first date material or is this like settling down? It could really be either. Um, a lot of these pay- places do have a residential aspect to them, uh, but I set five criteria for each place, so that'll kind of explain how and why I chose these places. Okay. Because uh, there are a lot of spooky and unsettling places on this horrifying planet of ours. Uh, so I, first of all, I wanted to make it accessible to, to both you and the monster of your choice. 
Um, so I wanted to make sure that these places were both real and or still exist. Uh, so places like Atlantis, A Realm of the Pillars, slash Ubar, Lemuria, El Dorado, Shangri-La, Camelot. None of these places are really going to work because even if they did exist, we have no idea where they are and you can't really get to them. Um, right. Yeah, in other places, kind of like the H.H. Holmes Murder Hotel in Chicago, um, those aren't standing anymore, so it, it doesn't really apply either. We're, we're not going to consider time travel as a component here. Okay, okay. Uh, so these are all places that are currently... That you can get to with a plane ticket and a, probably a lot of walking. The second criteria is that it's a place where you, heavenly, your safety uh, must come first. Um, So it has to be a place where you could survive given proper basic necessities. So this negates places like Chernobyl or Pripyat because while it's definitely high on the spook meter and has supposedly mutated animals and zombie ghosts and radioactive whatever, um, you'd get super cancer and die. So we're also going to knock out places in the middle of the water, like the Dragon Sea or the Devil Sea, which is in the Pacific, um, and just kind of stay away from places with lots of torches and pitchforks so that whatever monster you choose, they also just feel safe and comfortable. Okay. Uh, I also wanted to play, make it a place with a variety of monster sightings and paranormal activity. So while there's like one-off places um, or strictly like haunted places, uh, there's plenty of places with ghosts. But what if your monster is more material in nature? So there's tons, of, like I said, tons and tons of haunted places across the map. Uh, actually, Ohio, where I am now, is the most haunted state in the union. Um, so I, I totally get spooky spots, but we want to find a place that has a lot of different types of monsters, a lot of different types of phenomena. Um, so places like Stonehenge, Oak Island, that Doll Island that's in, I think, South America, mm. certainly spooky. Not going to qualify for this. Okay. Uh, and the one thing that I said before, this is our fourth criteria, is we want to avoid obvious bummers. Uh, there are lots of places where true tragedy resides, places with historical weight and uh, the suffering of the, the historical events still create a pall over the region. Uh, we're talking about places like the Ahokigara Forest uh, at the foot of Mount Fuji, which is kind of known as the suicide forest. Mm, I'm glad you brought this up because I was, yeah, that was one of the places specifically I was thinking I would probably want to avoid because it is still active. Uh, it's still a place of very significant mourning and loss. Absolutely. And it also was like the plot of a really bad horror movie with my dear love, Natalie Dormer. Natalie she Dormer. Did up. Yeah. <laughs> She did do a bad, she did a bad whoopsie. That was not um, a good movie. <laughs> and and filmed just an appalling movie with it as the backdrop. So yeah. I'm, I'm very glad that you brought that up. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're going to, and like I said, the, the places where I, I, I am going to be bringing up, they do kind of have um, like tragedy associated with them, but that tragedy is... Um, also, in addition to a mystery behind it, or, you know, like, the Kokigara Forest has, like, oh, there's ghosts of people. It's like, yeah, but they, they're still, we know why there's ghosts, because people go there to kill themselves a lot. Right. It's awful. So, right. we're just going to try to avoid that. And the last criteria is that I wanted to pick places uh, that you may have never heard of. I know that you're a monster lover like me. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of knowledge about this stuff. So I, I wanted to try and trump, uh, sorry, not trump, ooh. Uh, I wanted to try and stump you. Um, but so I'm leaving out places like the Bermuda Triangle, uh, Area 51, 
Um, you know, even Loch Ness, which has lake monster, demon sightings, warlock packs. Aleister Crowley had a mansion there where he supposedly, like, raised demons and angels. But if I said... Side oh, by side together, brother, sister, uh, demon, angel? As I understand it, Aleister Crowley had um, orgy magic rituals where he would use bodily fluids and try to... Um, raise beings that would do his will, like basically grant him wishes, which he believed to be angels. But apparently he also accidentally raised some demons as well. It sounds like he accidentally maybe raised children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's like, with this black magic, I put this sacred fluid inside you. And in in eight to to nine months, a demon or an angel will be born. Alistair Crowley was not having the kind of sex that would um, create children, um, either by by partner or by um, orifice, if if I make my meaning clear there. So, yeah, probably not any uh, natural children being born from whatever weird stuff he was up to. Isn't that why turkey basters were invented, though? Oh, God, I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I wanted to try to, uh, avoid... Shout out to Crowley! <laughs> Shout out to Alistair Crowley! Uh, I wanted to avoid anything that was, like, too, too much in the popular culture mainstream, which some of these places still might be. It is what it right. is. Right. Um, so let's begin with our first dating location. Um, so I'm going to kind of do the, the same kind of format that you work with, with monsters, in the sense that I won't say the name of the place, but I will describe it. And you can kind of pick at the end, and then I'll reveal a little bit more about it, including its name. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm thinking of this as kind of, do you watch House Hunters International? I don't. Okay. So, well, there's House Hunters and there's House Hunter International. I only ever fuck with House Hunters International. Okay. And basically, it's a reality TV show on HGTV, which is like the home and goods TV network or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's a couple. It's almost always a couple. Sometimes it's a single person. But typically, it's a couple. And they're looking for their dream home in a new location. And it always starts out with this very pleasant female voice. And she'll be like... Uh, Margaret is a stay-at-home psychic who is looking for a place near the beach. Her husband eats garbage, and he's looking for a place near the city, which is four hours away from the beach. Their budget is $400 million. Will they find something that suits them? And then they'll, are, they'll like look at these houses, and they'll be like, I love everything about the house, but I hate the color of the kitchen. It's a no from me. <laughs> So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Okay. In my right. head, how I'm how I'm going to be viewing this. Okay. So yeah, well, we'll consider that um, whatever monster uh, you choose to be with has like a secret hoard of treasure from all the people they've killed or whatever. So so yeah, we'll we'll assume that you have um, no monetary or travel restrictions to get to these places. Mm. Which is based is good on my because... my yearly income. I'm imagining my wealthiest self might make thirty five thousand dollars a year. Do you feel like that's in the pocket? Um, I'm gonna say no, 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 no. Let, let's let's assume money is not an issue because these are are well actually starting with our first one is a large swath of land that's owned by the Russian government. Okay. So so yeah, our our first place is uh, actually a mountainous region in Sverdlovsk Oblast, Russia, which is a uh, part of Russia, which is kind of in the Midwest, Western part of the uh, of the massive country that is Russia. 
Um, it's very, very rural. Um, actually, rural is probably not even the the right word because it's in the middle of nowhere. It's it's not near any towns or anything. Else. <laughs> it's um, ultra rural. Yeah, it is. It is nature. Um, it uh, has a long history with the native Mansi peoples, who are the indigenous people to that area of Russia. Uh, but it's actually specifically known for an event that happened there uh, during the 1st to 2nd of February in 1959. Is so this the talk. trees? What about the trees? The trees all went away in a circular area, and then they're, like, blown back on the outer no. perimeter? No, that, that is a good guess, though. That, 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 was, <laughs> that was on the list. But no... Um, it, there is there is something with the trees. We will get to that, but no, it's it's okay. not that that weird explosion. Probably UFO. It's probably aliens. Uh, no, this one involved nine skiers, uh, seven men and two women, and uh, the area is actually named for one of these people. It didn't have a name <gasps> Wait, before. Wait, okay. They went missing, but then they found them, and they had clawed their way out of their tents, and a bunch of them were missing their tongues, and one of them was found in a tree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I figured you, you might know this one, but we'll still we'll kind of go over the finer yeah. details. So, uh, so yeah, it's nine skiers, seven men, two women. They were on a 350 kilometer, which is about 217 miles, uh, ski trip to commemorate the anniversary of communism in Russia. Uh, this is, of course, you know, 1959, the USSR is in its, the height of its power. Uh, Cold War is going on, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so this was also to qualify for a local skiing requirement. Uh, these people were incredibly fit, extremely skilled and experienced. Um, they, they actually have like anecdotal stories of these people's just like amazing strength and masculinity and all that. And actually one of the women had been accidentally shot on a previous skiing trip. And as she was being carried out, she was like telling everybody else jokes and keeping their spirits up. Like these people were badasses. These, these right. people could have beat Rocky in... You know, in, instead of uh, right, these Egon were not like casual skiers just out for a mountain jaunt. These were right. professional athletes in their prime, attempting something that would get them into the next leg of a very serious competition. Absolutely, absolutely. So the first bump of their trip actually came when one of their party, uh, Yuri Yudin, uh, got sick and had to be left in a small town before they got to the major leg of the trip. Uh, he would actually be the only survivor of this uh this entire trip and uh, he'd be the last person to see the rest of the party alive which has know, a lot of weight to it i think yeah never have you wanted a case of diarrhea as badly as <laughs> right before this trip <laughs> oh guys i wish i could go with you <laughs> oh bummer uh, so anyway, he weeks passed uh, without any word from the party. Uh, they missed their their rendezvous. Uh, like they kind of allowed for a little extra time because they're in the middle of nowhere. You know, maybe something happened that slowed them down. Uh, but it actually came to be spring by the time that the Russian government was able to launch a search party. Uh, so they partnered with the local Mansi tribes and went in search. Uh, and the spring thaw revealed kind of what you, you mentioned before. Uh, the first thing they found was the tents, which were mostly intact, but had been ripped open from the inside. Um, the tents had actually been placed on the side of the mountain, which was actually one of the requirements. So a lot of people are like, oh, why'd they even do that? It's because they, they it was one of the boxes they had to check. So don't get mm -hmm. off their ass. Um, the first bodies they found were near the tree line. And this is where we get to the really weird stuff. Um, several of the remains were found uh, mostly unclothed 
Almost all right. had suffered extreme uh, physical injuries that were described as being reminiscent of a car accident. We're talking broken ribs, skull fractures. Um, several of the bodies were irradiated, which the weird thing is they checked for that. Uh, like the the Russian government was like, eh, well, let's check to see if they're like glowing or shit. Who knows? <laughs> a few of the bodies. That's a pretty good accent. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, a few of the bodies next to the trees had bark under their fingernails, which indicated that they were trying to climb the trees. Right. Um, yeah, which you you definitely mentioned before. And two of the bodies were actually well over a mile away. So these people. I mean, were they running from something? Were they... Weren't they? were some of them missing their tongues as well? Yes. Um, yeah. A couple of the bodies were missing their eyes and tongues. And one of the weird things was um, one of the people missing their tongues actually had coagulated blood in their stomach, indicating that they were alive when their tongue was ripped out. So, Gross. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, one of those, that's one of those points we talked about at the, at the beginning. There was a trigger warning. Um, so the weirdness only continues from there. One of the journals they found uh, said that there were no clear indications of what happened, but there was a strange passage um, kind of mixed among everything else, and it just read, so we discovered that the snowmen are real. Uh-oh. I mean, what does that sound like? I mean, that's, that's a yeti if I ever heard of one. <laughs> Anyways, nothing to report today. It's I like it. It's, it reminds me of like in a bar log at the end of, the night in Oregon, you're legally required to write a bar log, even if nothing has happened. Right. So for the most part, it'll be like nothing to report, nothing to report, nothing to report. And then every now and again, there will be a log that'll be like, it was a pretty slow night. Someone came in. They didn't have any clothes on. I had to ask them to leave. (laughs) Everything continued as normal. And you're just like, wait, hold on. What? What do you mean? What? You'll go gonna, more into detail. You're just going to hide that in there? So, yeah, uh, another one of the group, it came to be known later, actually had a secret camera in addition to his regular camera. So we, we have the photos from his regular camera, but his secret camera was probably confiscated by the USSR, and we'll never know what photos were on that. Ugh, imagine the nudes that were on that. Right? Just... I mean, they People just looking real good. It's just everybody naked in the snow. Ugh. There's there's two members of that party that probably look better than the other seven, you know, and, and naked in the snow. <laughs> the, the, the cold does does not do wonders for, for a certain uh, half of our species. Well, yeah, that's that's quite spooky. Yeah. I do like snowman is, is a kind of, is almost a cute, at least in the United States, when we think of snowman, we think of like frosty. Yeah. It's adorable. So there's something a little cute about that. Like, anyways, snowmen are real. And you're like, oh, that's Aww. so cute. They played in the snow. Magic. Oh, my God. Their tongues were ripped out from <laughs> their... What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They were irradiated? Uh, okay. So, yeah, this is a place... Uh, this entire area actually has um, uh, a name to the Mansi tribes, which we'll get to later. Uh, but it's a place that's not really well-traveled. For, for specific reasons, uh, the Mansi tribes have long, long ver- uh, verbal histories of UFO sightings. Um, and actually, one of the things you mentioned with the trees, one investigator, uh, Russian investigator, actually noted that the treetops had all been cut and burned by something. Interesting. Uh, at a certain, and these are like, you know, 40-foot-tall pine trees. So right. it's almost like something crashed or landed through the area. It's also known as like a Yeti hotspot by the local Mansi tribes. And the uh, they have a name for it, like I said, and it loosely translates to one of two things. Uh, the, the first translation is just flat out, do not go there. 
That's the name right, of the place. Of course. Do not go there. Uh, the more ominous name is Dead Mountain. Hmm. Right. That's the way it always be. Whenever there is uh, like white settlers and they're like, oh gosh, you know, the na- the natives have a name for this place, but it's too long. Anyways, I'm going to build a house there. <laughs> it always turns out that the name of the place is like, don't even think, don't even look at that lake. If you look, there's literally a demon in that lake. And this, this we place have named it this as a way of telling people to not ever go there. And then, and then Prayer Bell Jones, his family, moves <laughs> west. And they're Poor like, this is, a great pl- <laughs> this is a great place for our home. Yeah, and that'll actually come up in a couple more of our stories. Not this next one, but the, the second two, uh, a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll get to our uh, second dating location, which, you know, actually is a little bit more obscure. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe you've heard of this one or not. But. Well, this first one, the first one, it sounds like would be a great place if I were dating the Yeti. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Any kind of snow um, monster. Absolutely. Any type of snow monster. Maybe the uh, the rock gobbler from Colorado, mm-hmm. the, the, the giant whale. He might like it. It might be nice for him to get out of the United States. I don't know if he has a passport. I don't know what it's like to get a passport for a cryptid, but I'm willing to find out. Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. There's charm. I don't, I like the cold. Uh, but I don't like snow. I've I live in the Pacific Northwest where it's cold and rainy, and we don't get a lot of snow. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm not in love with the snow. I don't like having to put on snow boots. I don't like having to put on layers. Is really the big thing. Okay, so maybe maybe location one not really your thing. Um, not super my thing. Okay, well let's see if location two uh, is a little bit more your thing. It's actually uh, as opposed to being just somewhere where you might build a, a shelter. This actually is a shelter. Um, yeah, so this uh, is actually in Chechia. It is uh, 47 kilometers north of Prague. So you're not too far from actually a pretty massive city. It was a castle that was built in the 9th century by Prince Slavibor with permission of Ottokar II of Bohemia. Uh, Slavibor had decided to build a castle for his son, Hosek. And actually, Slavibor is kind of most notably uh, in history as the father of St. Ludmina. Um, who was a saint that was, I think, beaten to death but on the orders of her mother for being, like, religious. I, I, I don't know the full story, but anyway, yeah, she's a saint who died horribly, as most of them did. Mm. So, anyway, this is Slava Wars' other lesser-known child. He gets a castle. Um, <laughs> the one that's not a saint. Right. He's like, I know you must be feeling really down ever <laughs> since your mother viciously beat your sister to death, and then your sister was made into a saint. You must be feeling a lot of emotions right now. So I've built you a castle. That's right. Weirdly enough, the castle um, was reportedly, like, almost wooden like it was almost like a wooden fort so it it feels like i'm not going to build you a treehouse son we'll build you a castle fuck it who knows it's made out of wood yeah it was originally made out of wood originally it's uh, we'll, we'll get to why it's not anymore um so yeah it was it was a wooden castle uh, he found this massive piece of limestone uh that actually again was said by the, the local peoples to have been cursed i mean this is yeah going to be a common theme um, and as they were building the castle, um, either the weight of the structure or the curse itself, something caused the limestone to split and form a hole, which was said to have been a pit to hell itself. Whoops. Yeah, bummer. Uh, so after the opening occurred, uh, like a darkness was said to just cover the land. Uh, the local people Yeah, began... I bet, because now hell is right there. Right? 
So people began to report uh, plagues affecting them and their livestock. Uh, the woods were said to be filled with chimeric beasts that would grab any lone travelers. There were these like bat-like monsters that flew through the sky at night, like giant bat-like creatures. Um, people believe that. Are deep... you playing a spooky sound effect right now? I am not. Do you hear a spooky sound effect? Because. Ugh. Yeah, like literally when you were like, anyways, the gates of hell are open, there's this like deep bellowing sound behind you that almost sounds like maybe an airplane. That might just be my heater kicking on. I, okay. It was very well timed. I, I'm in the basement. <laughs> Thanks, house. Uh, so yeah, people believe that like demons were like crawling out of this hole. And the area became abandoned because of fucking course it did. You had a big hole in the ground, a castle that couldn't be lived in, and fucking demons everywhere. Of course no one's living there. But yeah. nevertheless, as these places often are, it doesn't remain abandoned forever. Uh, Duke Heimich Berga, um, a couple hundred years later, would take ownership and build a new castle. Um, this castle was actually made of stone, but during its construction, they were still experiencing the same weird stuff. So they tried filling the hole. They threw in just literal tons of earth and stone and debris, but they never heard it like hit the bottom and it never did any difference to actually like actually close up the hole. So, so they threw a bunch of stones in it and then just nothing happened. And they're like, welp. <laughs> well, let's try something else. So, Deep hole, I guess. Yeah, must, must be real far down. So the weird thing they tried next was um, they offered a pardon, a full pardon to death row prisoners. Uh, if the death row prisoners would agree to be lowered into the hole by rope and then oh report my God. whatever they experienced. When was this? What time? Uh, this was... It, oh, I, I don't know the exact year. It had to be uh, probably around 11. This is probably medieval ages, I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. so yeah, this is not modern era by any means. Uh, I, didn't th I didn't know they had death row back then. I thought you were just killed. Well, you know, if you have enough people being uh, killed at a certain point, you can't do it like all at once. The, you know, the, the headsman gets tired. The, the, um, you know, the, the noose has to be retied. I don't know. So yeah, they, they had people that were due to be killed and, and had the opportunity to um, to pardon themselves. This brings a whole new meaning to death row records. Oh yeah, absolutely. Here's my records of death row names. Okay, so they're lowering men into the pit. Mm -hmm. Solid, love yeah. it. Yeah, so the first guy that gets lowered um, is lowered for actually some considerable time. Um, eventually, they hear screaming, and they pull him back up, only to find Ugh. that his hair had Does he turned... have his legs? Yes, he, he's fully intact, but his hair okay. had turned white. Uh, his Ugh. skin was wrinkled and gray. He appeared to have aged over 30 years. Um, and he was just rambling, but through all the rambling, they were able to determine that he reported the smell of brimstone decay. Uh, he heard the sound of screaming, and there was a darkness that was so complete he thought he may never see again. Uh, he rambled for a few more days before he died. Of old age? Just, they don't know why. This is at a time when medicine probably was not up to par. It might have been shock. It might have been old they age. They probably put, like, a little piece of mercury up his butthole to cure him, and he that, died. That would have done it. That would have done it for sure. 
That sucks for him. <laughs> the, the suckiest thing, I think, is that he wasn't the only one. People were so desperate to get off death row that there were, like, a bunch of people who were like, oh, fuck that guy. He was probably just a big bitch. Let, let me go in the hall. <laughs> and they, they all died the same way. They all came back as, like, old men who were just like, oh, I literally went to hell. And then they died. Did all of them have silver hair or did any of them go bald? Um, it's it's said that most of their hair turned white. There there weren't. I mean, I call records. bullshit because so many men lose their hair in their old age. Some of them would have balled it. That's a very good point. Well, maybe it's not that it's it's aging them particularly. Maybe it's just that you know they they say that your hair can turn white from extreme stress or right. Or trauma. And you can get you can get lots of wrinkles if you're stressed. That's true. Or maybe you know it's just like it's just a, it's like a sauna down there. It just wrinkles you up. Maybe hell is just a big <laughs> sauna. Nope. That's not in the Bible. Um, <laughs> is it? Is it not in the Bible? It is not. There is very little about hell in the Bible. I, I'm gonna. It's I'm gonna really, go out and say. It's left to your imagination. It really is. Yeah, yeah. For all the fire and brimstone, there's very little mentioned of it. So anyway, yeah. There's between the the creatures and reports of of what lies beneath. Uh, the structure of the castle uh, changed from its original intent. It was originally going to be, you know, kind of your standard a castle. A happy home. It was originally going to be a happy, loving home. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, definitely not that uh, anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, the castle uh, weirdly has, it still stands today. Uh, it doesn't have any source of water. In fact, the only water nearby is irradiated. Uh, so that's a weird aspect of it. It's not near any major roads or trade routes. It doesn't have a kitchen. Uh, by, by all logic, this castle shouldn't exist, but it does. And the weirdest thing, aside from all that about this castle, is that the defenses of this castle face inwards. So if you were to attack this castle, it'd be easy. There, there's no defenses that prevent you from getting in. But the defenses are there to keep something from getting out. Okay, so originally it was a wood house, then they opened a, a quick portal to hell, an elevator. Just a quick one, yeah. And, and then they, after that, that's when they made it into stone, after the portal to hell opened, correct? Yes, yes. They, okay. they put, uh, you can go there now, uh, they put a big heavy stone plate over the hole and built a chapel on top of it. Uh, a Christian chapel. That's fucking nice touch. Yeah. That's a good call. Uh, the chapel does have a lot of, like, weird depictions of, of, like, chimeric monsters and angels, like, killing demons and shit. It's almost just like, hey, if they get out, they're going to see what we're going to do to them. Yeah. <laughs> we're really painting a picture here. Yeah. There's, like, a weird, like, tiger centaur, like, half person, half tiger with a bow and arrow. It's, it's stuff that, it's, like, um, frescoes that really aren't seen anywhere else, which is kind of weird. Um, Do we know the last time the castle was upkept? Uh, it's a tourist location. It is. It is upkept to this day. You can you can go there and, and see it. But I mean, the last time that it was before, did it amid, did it immediately get passed into the hands of the state, and then the state took it over? I imagine that there was really no state back in this time. So how many how many years was it? kind of unoccupied and just live in its best life. It is funny you should ask because we are are not done with, with this castle history. It does not oh, end okay. there. Uh, oh, so right. yeah, after Heimich Berge, it actually passed from nobility to nobility for several years until uh, 1939 uh, when it came under Nazi control. Uh, when uh, the Nazis occupied, uh, I think it was then Czechoslovakia. 
Um, so yeah, uh, the Nazis occupied it during World War II, where it was known as Bergen II, uh, and it is rumored that it was occupied by uh, SS officers who used it as an occult library. Uh, the harsher rumors say that it was a location where they did strange experiments, occult Nazi rituals, and they tortured the locals. Ugh. So, yes, to answer your question, yeah, it, it did get some use. Um, but and none of the Nazis decided to crawl into the hole to see where it went? Apparently not. Well, we, we don't know. Um, a lot of the, there's no records really left, which leaves a lot of that up to rumor. Um, yeah, the locals say that this stuff happened, but there's no uh, written documentation of it because all that documentation was destroyed when uh, the Nazis started losing. Right. To, yeah, because this would have been one of the first areas that the, the Russian war machine would have been moving through when they did their, their push. But it's still said that strange beasts uh, hunt for, you know, solitary souls in the woods. There are reports of a he- uh, the ghost of a headless horse. Not a headless horse man, a headless horse that just, like, trots up to you and starts gushing blood at you, which is ah. yeah, deeply unsettling. <laughs> There's also a headless man, which you feel like those two should really meet. Um, they should go- yeah, they should hook up. Maybe yeah. they could switch heads. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Nope, I don't like that. I don't like a horse with a man's head. Just just found that out. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's shadow monsters. There's uh, the ghost of a woman in white. We see that a lot in, in lore. Mm, uh, there's like yeah. the giant bat-like creatures are still seen. Uh, my personal favorite is there is a cryptid described as being one-third dog, one-third frog, and one-third man. It's a dog-frog man. Ooh, I love I love these types of fractional beasts. Oh, yeah. Um, do they specify which part is what? Uh, there are different stories that kind of mix and match. Um, as far as we can really tell, he is a humanoid kind of creature, but his features are kind of like facial features are really a mix of both dog and frog. I like it when it's not a clean cut, one third, one third, one third. Like a lot of people would think like, oh, the head of a man, like the the lower body of a... I like to think of it as like maybe he has the hands and feet of a man. Oh, yeah. And he also has like anxiety like a man does. <laughs> and Oh, the human this... feature, anxiety. <laughs> but, the, but then he has like little froggy legs, but he has a really waggy tail and a wet little nose. Yeah. It's like adorable. a dog, you know, I like to kind of mix, mix and match it like that. Well, I think like a bulldog kind of almost has a frog-like look to him anyway, so you kind of put those two together. Yeah, I mean, you're getting close. It's, it's a bulldog with a human face, and he goes, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know, dog frog man. I don't know. <laughs> This place okay, I like be here. I like this place. I like that it comes with a little house built in, but there's no kitchen. That's a problem for me because I do like to burn food. Yeah, no kitchen, um, no water. The water's irradiated. Yeah. yeah, I mean you could always you could do add-ons. You know. You, you got, yeah, I you mean it's definitely money. it's a fixer-upper. What do they call those homes? Like Reno homes. You know, we're gonna do we have to do a little bit of renovation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But does it does it come with a village? Uh, there is a village relatively nearby, but there's no like major paths or anything that really lead to this place. You kind of have to go through the woods to get to it. Okay, but I would have a place to go shopping. Yeah, yeah, with a little bit of walking, you know, probably okay. in the same way that, you know, uh, what was it, Church, Church Bell had to uh, to walk into town. Yeah. Well, I would obviously just ride my headless horse. There you go. Solving problems. I, 
I'd like that. Build a little stable for it. Okay. All right. I'm I'm vibing with this place. What do we got next? Yeah. So dating location uh, three uh, is a triangle. It's not that triangle. Um, this one is in Massachusetts. Um, it is technically formed by uh, three points in a 200 square mile. The three points are the towns of Abington, Freetown, and Rehoboth. Um, and this one... Uh, a lot of people agree that the phenomena isn't just like limited to the triangle itself, but the triangle was kind of a way to identify uh, the area as, as being the significant. Hot points in it. Yeah, well, it's you know when you call some place uh, a something something triangle, it it has that that feels like oh now now it can be in the mainstream. It has a name now. It's not just like mm-hmm. oh this amorphous shape. The such and such general area. Right. Yeah. This this fucked up place in Massachusetts. Um, so actually, we're going to cover some not so creepy things because this is. I mean, this is a place with like a lot of towns, and it's actually a, a somewhat uh, well populated area of Massachusetts. It covers actually a pretty significant area, like I said, two hundred square miles. Um, so this uh, Rehoboth, one of the towns I mentioned, was actually claims to be the first town with public education in America. Besides public education, there's Whitman, Massachusetts, where the Toll House Inn is, which is where the chocolate chip cookie was invented. Um, there's also the world's only shovel museum. And uh, a little bit on the spookier side, uh, the Lizzie Borden House is technically okay. within the area. Um, and here's something that kind of blew my mind. Do you have any idea when the chocolate chip cookie was invented, roughly? I don't, actually. No. 1930. Yeah, the silence is there for a reason. We didn't have chocolate chip cookies until 1930? What? Interesting. And it was an accident. Like, nobody so thought... So what did we eat before then? Shit. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> didn't okay. have chocolate chip cookies. Who cares? Yeah, dang. I mean, World who War invented I, it by accident? Um, it was the owner of the Toll House Inn, whose name I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Ruth Graves Wakefield and her husband Kenneth were running the Toll House Inn uh, on Route 18 near Whitman, Massachusetts, when they invented accidentally invented the chocolate chip cookie in 1930. So yeah, the identification of the triangle is relatively new. Uh, having been coined by Lauren Coleman in his 1983 book, Mysterious America. And Lauren Coleman is a very well-respected cryptozoologist, and uh, he's very noted in the field. He's he's one of those people, whenever you watch a cryptozoology, you know, something on Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster, whatever, he's always one of the people that they interview. Um, but the spooky shit that goes on here goes back for a while. So we're going to dig into that real quick. Um, the, the first kind of significant tragedy that, that people note as being kind of the impetus for the, the creepy stuff that happens here uh, begins with King Philip's War, uh, which occurred during the summer of 1675. So this is, of course, before the United States formed its uh, in Plymouth Colony. Uh, the local tribes, largest of which was the Wampanoag, uh, had kind of gotten a little fed up with the oppression of the white settlers. Um, The indigenous peoples then had been killed, enslaved, moved off their ancestral hunting and residential lands, so they decided to strike back during what would become King Philip's War. Uh, It was incredibly brutal. Non-combatants were targeted on both sides. Entire villages were burned. There was torture, brutality, and awful things that we don't need to talk Mm. about on this fun and sexy podcast. Uh, So the war officially ended with the death of the Wampanoag leader, uh, Metacom or Metacomet, uh, who actually was the titular King Philip because the English didn't want to learn his name. So they called him the whitest fucking thing ever, which was King Philip. 
Mm. And uh, th- this this whole thing's going to get a little racist here because that's the first point of racism. You can't learn the goddamn man's name, so you call him King Philip. That's some bullshit. Uh, he yeah. was killed by a Wampanoag that had been converted to Christianity um, and had changed his name to John Alderman. And he had teamed up with Captain Benjamin Church, whose title was Indian Hunter. That Ugh. was a job you could have back then. Yeah. So Church gathered a bunch of people, including Alderman, and Alderman was the one uh, to finally track down and shoot uh, Metacomet. Uh, during this entire uh, war, 500 English died. Over 3,000 indigenous peoples died. Uh, the remaining indigenous were gathered up after their surrender, and they were enslaved and shipped to the West Indies. So real bummer there that that is that is an absolute tragedy um metacomet himself was quartered his head was placed on a pike in front of a local fort for over 20 years and benjamin church would keep one of his arms to show it off at taverns and get free drinks oh my gosh yeah i love i love that the narrative the colonists of the united states of america had is they're like these people savage i mean they play (laughs) drums they wear animal skin they live outdoors it's wild anyways i murdered a bunch of people and here are their body parts to prove it (laughs) i'm civilized (laughs) right excellent point um so actually the the lore um of kind of the the why everything is spooky and creepy in this area really comes from um, something that was taken from Metacomet. Uh, it was his wampum belt, uh, which for those who don't know, a wampum belt is a strip of cloth worn about the waist as a belt would be, uh, that actually tells the entire historical history of the, the tribe. So this, this held the entire historical history of the Wampanoag tribe so that the chief could then carry literally that history with them every single day. Right. It had incredible significance. Uh, this was taken off his body and uh, carried as a trophy. It was put on a ship to England and lost at sea. So oh. a lot of people think that the kind of the everything that happens here is a curse that came from taking the the wampum belt. I mean, I would hope so. Well, there's other people that theorize that the land was already a place of evil or strangeness and that King's Philip War was a result of that and not a cause. Which, that, that's that's an interesting thought to it as well. That maybe, oh, this place was already fucked up and that's why the brutality was so significant here. But mm. there's still uh, lots of references to the Wampanoag people. There's, uh, I mean, even in the names of places. Uh, but there's even a rock called Profile Rock, which is supposedly looks exactly like Metacomet's face. That's a little mm. weird. Okay. Um, but since the time of the war, scary stuff has only increased. Most of it focused on two central areas. Uh, there's two less populated points. There's a bunch of towns and everything. But the creepiest stuff tends to uh, kind of circle around Hockamock Swamp, uh, also known as the Devil's Swamp, to the white folk. Where There we get back to, of course, you know, oh, we don't like this place, and the native people liked it. Uh, because the natives actually uh, know, or they called it the place where spirits dwell, which isn't—it yeah. it isn't one of those scary places. Like, oh no, that's that's cool. You might not want to go there, but still, it's, it's not like terrible. But they're like, nah, it's a devil swamp. Uh, and then Falls River Forest, which is another kind of you know. Well, area. I mean, I'm sure to the settlers, it definitely felt more devilish because they'd probably go and spirits would show up, and they'd be like, "You bitch," <laughs> like. What That's you come into? Point. You come into my space looking like that with that buckle with and that those buttons. Buckle. Too many buckles. Fuck you. So this place is uh, 
on the more serious note, it is a hotspot for murders and accidents and a lot of human evil, which we're not going to delve in too much. Uh, there are uh, true crime stories that get kind of nasty. Uh, we're not going to touch on those too much because they're sad. It's a bummer. But how many, do you know, like, how many serial killers have come out of this area? There's two significant ones. But they uh, were, like, big, big, big ones. They weren't super-duper big. Um, they, it was a, a guy and a girl who had partnered together and um, committed murders, um, kind of, every now and then of children, which is the bummer part. Uh, but they did it in saying that it was in the name of, like, demon sacrifice it wasn't. They were just fucked up. But uh, yeah, that's this place has a lot of uh, history of like, oh, Satanism is a thing and demon sacrifice and all that. Right. A lot of it's probably made up or just, you know, teenagers screwing around because as soon as somebody says that, the whole satanic panic thing goes on both sides. But, you know, who, who knows? They, they, they still find weird stuff every now and then. Animal sacrifices, um, right. you know, weird symbols it's... in the woods. I think it's important to note that some of the leading cult experts who have like worked with the FBI for years and years and years have said that they have never once in the history of working with like cults and ritual sacrifices found in the United States any type of satanic ritual. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. It is more often than not somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, or is just trying to like make it seem like something to throw off police because people are so ready and willing to believe that there is some ultimate evil that they can right. fight like a goddamn paladin, and it's it's not that. It's normally just sick people. Yeah, even like the Satanic Panic, which really came to fruition on the West Coast, um, mm -hmm. specifically in California. It was really born out of, we don't like, I don't want to take too much time, but it was uh, a lot of people, I think a lot of in the TTRPG community are like, haha, it was about Dungeons and Dragons. It was about like occult stuff. And that that's actually not necessarily true. It mm -hmm. definitely fed into it. But the real, the real crux of the satanic panic was it was after uh, the civil rights movement. It was after women's liberation yep. and it was white middle-class mothers who um, were faced with new restrictions they, they needed to work, but they weren't making any money. They had to leave their children in the care of primarily non-white women. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden there was this concern about them not being there for their children. So they weren't present. And around this time, we started to take incest much more seriously. So there was an influx of cases being reported of children being molested by people close to them. And while typically that was a family member, it became portrayed in the media as uh, caregivers, mm -hmm. which meant that all of these white women on the West Coast who suddenly had to work and were very bitter about it felt that the uh, white man in America was losing ground kind of off put that anxiety into a fear that their brown caregivers were torturing their children. And that's what really started the satanic panic. It wasn't as funny as it is to imagine that it was Dungeons and Dragons. It was racism. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was It was white people fighting back against all of the counterculture movement. It was, exactly. it was anything that, that had come out of the 50s and was scared of what was now coming out of the 60s and, and 70s. And at this point, in the 60s and 70s, over half of adult Americans believed that the devil was a real 
entity like oh, yeah. not just like that the devil existed but that it that the devil was a physical entity that could walk this world exactly that was and an excellent they, summation by the way yeah oh thank you <laughs> could have said it better myself so yeah we're not really going to touch too much on that there there are still reports of demonic rituals and whatever else but the more cryptid side of that is that to this day there's still frequent sightings of ufos <clears throat> bigfoot of course uh actually fun fact bigfoot has been seen in every single state except for hawaii yeah because i mean how is he going to get there if he can't swim right yeah Most and no have... one no one will let him on a plane have <laughs> ocean bigfoot <laughs> uh, we need to build a railroad to hawaii <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> uh, don't do that that would probably be awful we would, <laughs> we would we would take so much more land than we already have <laughs> we'd lose so many trains on top of it <laughs> so many trains all right. Uh, so yeah, there's also reports of giant snakes, um, and the, this is like from when this area was really uh, well. It's actually during kind of like World War II, um, or even after World War II, when uh, you know everybody was coming home and they needed work. So there were all of like the government projects going on. There were reports of the guys doing government projects as they were you know plant doing you know building roads and everything else, building highways. And they would report snakes the size of stovepipes was the, the direct quote. Mm. Which, I mean, it really is like your standard python, maybe? I was going to say, is that a big, is, does that sound like a big snake? I guess it's bigger than a, it's, a garden snake. It's big for Massachusetts. So that's the significant okay. thing, is that Massachusetts <laughs> shouldn't have snakes that size. But the, right. that size of snakes do exist in places in the world today. Right. You know, the anaconda is significantly bigger than a stovepipe. Right. So, uh, yeah, plenty of stories of ghosts, uh, hellhounds, which is interesting, you know, red-eyed dogs, um, thunderbirds, or, you know, if you tend to think that thunderbirds are actually dinosaurs, pterosaurs, um, mm. yeah, and plenty of other strange creatures, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um, but as far as UFOs go, the, there was a sighting, a significant sighting on May 10th in 1760 at 10 a.m., it was actually noted, which is nice, uh, where somebody noted that a sphere of flame was seen flying through the sky. Um, mm. um, March 20, which wasn't the sun, I guess. Um, it's moving very slowly. Uh, on March 23rd, 1979, uh, two newsmen actually saw a UFO emit a green substance from it at a crossroads. So oh, it was that. dumping like a septic tank? <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. Maybe it was picking up a Bigfoot, you know? You know. <laughs> Bigfoot, Bigfoot or aliens. No, maybe. I don't know. There's also two police officers that reported that a Bigfoot lifted up the back of their car and slammed it down and then ran off. They were, like, inside the car when it happened. And they said they were so terrified they couldn't move. That's so valid. Which, I mean, you think of, like, a police officer, you know, just shoot the damn thing. I mean, what are you, oh, you're scared of a Bigfoot? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, let's not get into police violence on this one. This is a sexy podcast. We'll, we'll leave that for later. If you're a police officer, please don't shoot Bigfoot. Yeah. Please give Bigfoot a hug. Please, actually, just let's take away the guns. <laughs> there we go. We While we're at it. We said we need to be said. Okay. Um, many reports seeing will-o'-the-wisps, which are, you know, you know, like floating balls of light that are, some people say are ghosts, or some people say mm. are UFOs. Um, it's thought that it might just be swamp gas, because swamp gas can create, you know, those pockets of, like, basically burning light that floats through the air. Right. So, and there is, like I said, Hockamock Swamp is one of the central parts. So, you know, Will-O-The-Wisps are, are kind of up there. The real strange legend that I kind of attached to was the Pukwudgie, 
which you might uh, recall that word uh, from, I guess, the extended Harry Potter lore. The Pukwudgie is one of the uh, house creatures from the American Hogwarts, which I can't remember the name of now. Oh, yes. Yeah. I do remember, I remember the... Uh the fallout i suppose of this but i actually never read it was it 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 wasn't a book it was like a supplementary information online yeah i think it was something for pottermore so she there was like a horned serpent and uh something cat and a puck wedgie and a thunderbird right so yeah so puck wedgies are definitely part of native american lore which i think is what she was trying to uh get at uh they are small two foot tall forest trickster spirits um they're said to be gray and hairless which, I mean, yeah, what does that sound like? Um, though some reports do have them covered in hair with either monkey or chipmunk-like faces. Hmm. Yeah, one of those, uh, actually, that that story, which it, to me that sounds like a baby Wookiee or like a baby Sasquatch, but Aww. that's adorable. Yeah, that's cute. Uh, There's actually one guy, William Russo, who had a face, supposedly had a face-to-face encounter with a, a puck wedgie. He was walking his German Shepherd uh, in the woods, and uh, apparently this creature walked out and pointed at him, and this was covered in furry, said it looked kind of like a chipmunk in the face, and it started saying, like it started speaking to him, and it said, e chu kia and it kept repeating that, e chu kia hmm. And he ended up running off with his dog because he, he felt it trying to like psychically pull at him, is what he said, but he was able to fight it off and, and run back. And it was only after he got home and he kept thinking about that phrase, e wan chu kia, that he, he thought about it, oh, he was trying to say, we want you here. Ugh. Right. So, yeah, that's that's because there's said to be, even in native lore, there's said to be these trickster spirits or even evil spirits um, that will try and convince you to do things or come with them and then, like, you're never seeing again. So, yeah, that that's, that's spooky stuff. Um, there's a kind of an interesting rock, which is a weird thing to say, but it's Dighton rock is what it's called. And it's covered in petroglyphs. But the weird thing about these petroglyphs is nobody can agree on who made them or what they say. Um, there's a small museum to it where people have identified certain parts of the rock as being potentially Nordic, uh, possibly Native American, uh, Phoenician, which of course is the Mediterranean, uh, Portuguese, and some even theorize that it's from Chinese explorers who were the first to actually find America, which there is documentation of that. Uh, the Chinese probably did sail to the Pacific Northwest. They actually have maps from medieval China that show what is today Washington and Portland and were potentially settled by uh, Chinese colonists who didn't stay permanently. So that's kind of okay. crazy. Um, there's also supposedly like giant bones, like the bones of giants have been discovered. Right. Um, and then, yeah, there's a couple of ghost stories as well. There's uh, a woman in white, again, uh, which is seen on a ridge who jumps into a, um, a shallow lake and everybody, you know, is like, oh no. And then they look over and she's not there. Uh, there's a story of a, a redheaded, uh, spectral hitchhiker, you know, the, the guy who gets into your car and, and then, you know, just doesn't say anything until he disappears or, you know, there, there's that, that, um, urban myth about, you know, the, the hitchhiker ghost, so apparently there's right. there's a specific Who's like take me drop me off at my house and then you give them your jacket and you go back to the house and you're like I just dropped off someone and they have my jacket and they're like that person's been dead for 20 years exactly but instead of like a sexy teenager who's like I'm coming home from prom this is like a redheaded bearded lumberjack man 
So maybe he gets like picked up a little bit more often now. I I don't know. There's like oh shit. <laughs> Like People a, are like, yes, yes. Mm, get in the car. Where are you going, you sexy man? Apparently, when he gets in the car, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't tell you to go anywhere. He'll just sit in Ooh, silence. He's so taciturn. I know. Well, well, he'll sit in silence for a few minutes until he turns and just screams in your face and then disappears. Ah! <laughs> so I rude. I would hate that. I would hate that. Literally, he's literally a jump scare. Some asshole. <laughs> I've. I will say, I've. I've picked up a few hitchhikers in my day. I've gotten in trouble every single time I've done it. Uh, and one time I picked up this hitchhiker. He was standing in the middle of the road. And I at first I drove by him. It was like 2 a.m. And I was like, Ugh, you know, what if that were me? I would hate to be left alone. So I, you know, flipped my car around. And I went and I picked him up. And he was like, I, I live at this small town that's at the top of a hill. So I lived at the base of the hill, and then there was another town at the top, mm-hmm. and it was a very short distance-wise, but the road went all around the mountain on the way up, or the hill, so it was like a 15-20 minute drive. So I'm driving him up, um, and it's like quiet, and I, you know, I, I made a fake phone call to a friend of mine, so I call my friend, and I'm like, hey babe, it's me, I'm on my way home, I'm just dropping off this guy I picked up because I was trying to get him to understand that, like, if you kill me, someone will miss me. <laughs> someone knows. Because my, my babe is expecting me, but I had actually called one of my coworkers, and he was just like, Heavenly, stop, Heavenly, what are you doing? No, 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 no. And I was like, love you, bye. <laughs> And um, so I'm driving him, and he, it's really quiet, and he leans over, and he was like, uh, he he said you're really brave, and I was like, oh why? And he was like, he was like, little girl like you shouldn't be picking people up on the side of the road. How do you know I'm not gonna kill you? And so I turned to him and said, how do you know I'm not gonna drive us off the top of this hill? Oh, that's good. And then I sped up, and so then he didn't talk to me for the rest of the time, and I was like, checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here real quick. Hey hitchhikers. Hey hitchhikers. Don't fucking say that to people. What the fuck? Somebody's being like nice. I... They're picking you up. Don't do that. I honestly don't know if I just freaked this guy out enough to not kill me or if he was just making a really bad joke. Who does Hey, good thing I'm not going to rape and murder you, huh? Oh. <laughs> I was like, well, I could murder you first. Which is, uh, uh, that is the best response. I would not have thought of that. Props to you. Props to you for being, A, a good person and and picking up uh, a poor stranded person. Um, no props to that guy for, for being <laughs> the worst passenger ever. Yeah. But he got where he needed to go safe, and so did I. So, anyways. Okay. So, there's a, there's a spooky hitchhiker in this area. There is. There is. And that's, that's all I have for, uh, for location three. Okay. The something something triangle. So, uh, Daniel Location 4 uh, is another place that I, I'm, I'm wondering if you might have heard of. And this is, uh, I believe, our our last location. Uh, it is. Good. Okay. Um, so, this is in Utah. It's uh, northeastern Utah in an area called the Uinta Basin. Mm. It's a cattle ranch. Um, because it's in this basin, there is only one way in and one way out of this ranch. So you got some privacy. That's nice. Mm. Um, it was referred to as, by one local individual, as Paranormal Disneyland. Oh. Right. Um, I love that name. This place has a lot going for it. It It has everything. It, it, it really does. Um, this place has, we'll, we'll get to everything, but yeah, any, any kind of, 
paranormal or cryptid kind of experience you can think of, this place has it, and then a few you haven't thought of. Um, so yeah, this place has a long, long history of strange occurrences reported by native peoples. Again, that's a common theme between these places. Uh, the area itself even bears the name of a cryptid, which would kind of give it away, but we'll get to it at the end. Uh, the recent reports of this area begin with the Gorman family. Uh, these poor, poor people are the unfortunate victims of this fucking strange place. Um, during their years at the ranch, the Gormans experienced interdimensional gateways, poltergeists, invisible monsters, strange shadow beings, and events of high strangeness that none have been able to explain. Um, so the first event that is really noted by the Gormans, uh, it, most, most of the stuff involved cattle. Like I said, it's a cattle ranch. Is it, is this the family that was attacked like three nights in a row by strange goblin creatures? No, but good thought. No, that was in, uh, Hopkinsville in tennessee or kentucky i can't remember okay. but no um and actually to that point everybody go watch hellier on on uh, amazon prime it talks about that and oh my god every all of the weird little cryptids in like the uh, the the northeast that all look like goblins or or like the dover demon which you mentioned in our previous episode i'm all i'm convinced they're all now just aliens and they're all they all have secret underground tunnels and yeah, yeah I'm absolutely sold on that because there's so many descriptions of all the same type of monster, but because they're in different places, they all get different names. Uh, they're all the same goddamn thing. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay, okay. What's it called? Hellier? Hellier. Yeah, which is the, the name of the um, the town where they go to. Which is Will kind you of, spell that? I think it's H-E-L-I-E-R. It might be two L's. Okay. okay. But yeah, if you you'll look it up on Amazon Prime, it'll it'll pop right up. And there's two seasons of it, and they're both very, very good. Okay. Um, okay, so back to this cattle ranch. Uh, because it's cattle ranch, a lot of stuff involved the cattle. Uh, the first big event was reported by the father and son. Uh, they witnessed a large wolf. Actually, they said it was supposed to be like three times the size of, of a normal wolf. Uh, approached them from kind of just off the, the way. It just came walking up very, very calmly. Uh, they were able to pet it. It seemed actually really mm. domesticated, so they wondered if it was from a nearby ranch. They said it smelled like wet dog. Ugh. This thing was like the size of a pony. Um, and They were just totally cool with it until one of the calves stuck its nose through the fence, and the wolf just latched on. So but... the father and son are freaking out. They're hitting it with sticks. Nothing's happening. The, the thing's not reacting. Um, the father, having to save his cattle, pulls out his revolver and shoots the dog, the wolf, whatever, Point blank, six times. The right. thing doesn't even flinch. Right. So the son goes running back to the house. He gets the, the hunting rifle, the .30-06. At near point blank range, the father shoots this wolf three times. On mm. the third time, a piece of the, the animal blew off, and the wolf finally actually like shuddered a little bit and then went running off. He let go of the calf. The, the wolf goes running off. They were Did able... the calf survive? I mean, now his face has been eaten. It probably not. It's not really mentioned, but yeah, pr- probably not. Okay. Yeah, uh, they probably if the animal wasn't dead already, they probably had to put it down. So, yeah, the, cows don't have a good. The, cows are not treated well in this story, unfortunately. In, mm. in all of this area, they're it's very unfortunate. Cows. Yeah, yeah. If you're a vegetarian or vegan, I apologize for this. It's sad, uh, or an animal lover at all. So they tracked the the wolf, uh, only to find that its prince just suddenly disappeared. Like, in mud, they just stop, right? and they're, then they're gone. 
Uh, so they go back to where the animal had been shot, and they found the piece that had blown off of it. But it was, like, rotten and decayed. It clearly wasn't from a living creature. It was, you know, almost from, like, something that had been buried for a while. Uh, it came to be later that this zombie wolf, ghost wolf, whatever, the family was looking through, like, a natural history book, and the uh, the son identified it as a dire wolf. Uh, mm. which you might know from Game of Thrones, which was a real animal that went extinct right. over 10,000 years ago, at least. But, I mean, it was something that they physically interacted with. That that thing was there. Were dire wolves in North America? They would have been, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was still when uh, Continental Divide hadn't fully separated. That was, at the time, probably early man. And, uh, you know, the, the theory of the, the Continental Bridge. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um... So that was that was one of the big first things. Um, cows definitely got screwed over a lot more than that. Cattle mutilations were frequent, and that that's really where the unfortunate um, aspect of this family comes into into play, is that these cows were their livelihood, and right. e- every day they went out to find another cow that had been like stripped of literally all of its flesh and like no blood on the ground, or they had like a head removed. Or there were, like, incisions and the eyes had been pulled out. And, like, every incision was made with what only could have been a, like, cauterized scalpel. Right. Surgical precision. Exactly. There was one cow that had had died uh, from what it looked like had been dropped from a significant height. The cow actually had oh. made a crater. So that's weird. That's uh, weird. Yeah. Um, the family also had, in their own home, poltergeist activities. Uh, furniture would be rearranged. Objects would be hidden. Um, Did they have a daughter? I, I think it was a daughter and son, but I can't remember. The The family is kind of, for their own privacy, not really named as much. Right. Poltergeists are very often associated with um, young women That's right, when yeah. they first begin menstruating. That's an excellent point. Yeah, the, one of the weird things was um, the the father's post hole digger went missing, and it ended up uh, three days later in a tree. Uh, they put a flea collar on one of the dogs, and it like the, the the next time they saw the dog, it wasn't on it. And then a few days later, they saw the dog, and the flea collar was back on. Weird. After they would like put groceries away, they would turn their back, and then when they would look back, all the groceries would be back in the shopping bags. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Oh, I would hate that. Right, it's just, I just fucking did that. Uh, so another incident with the the cows, which doesn't involve the cows dying, so yay for that, uh, but it occurred with the family's prized bulls. They had a series of bulls who were these, I mean, massive. There were four of them, 2,000-pound, super aggressive animals. Um, the husband and wife were driving out of their, uh, their property, and the, the husband remarked that uh, these bulls are so expensive and they're so important to their livelihood. If something happened to them, I just don't know what I'd do. Mm. And as they're driving back in after they've done their errands or whatever, the bulls are gone. They're not in their pen anymore. So they immediately get out of the truck. They're looking everywhere. There's a trailer connected to the pen, but it doesn't have an opening that goes to the pen. So they're, they're looking everywhere until they, they hear a slight shift in the trailer. He opens the door. All four of these 2,000-pound animals have been shoved into what is essentially like a long horse trailer. Right. Like, literally lined up. The weirdest thing is that these super aggressive animals, they're they're basically catatonic. They're acting like they're in a trance. But as soon as he opens the door, 
they snap out of it and start freaking the fuck out. Yeah. They kick down two of the walls. They kick down one of the back doors. They get out. It took four hours to round them up and get them back into the pen. The trailer had been locked from the outside. But the weird thing was the the husband and wife weren't even gone for 30 minutes. Mm. So somebody, what took them four hours to round up, somebody or something was able to do in what, probably like you know, 25 minutes, maybe. Right. Get the bulls out of the gate, walk them around to the trailer, and then line them up where they all fit perfectly. And then keep them in there without like losing their minds. Yeah, it's... Right. Exactly. Um, so besides all that, uh, people have always reported strange lights and craft in the skies. Most locals actually say that they've become used to them. Uh, a few people say that when they witness craft, uh, they've heard voices in their heads that tell them to look away and forget what they saw. So people tend to just not look at them anymore. Uh, they also report strange holes dug in the ground and the sounds of grinding machinery far beneath their feet underground. Almost like there's, there's something under there. Yeah. So this place really um, kind of gained notoriety when Bob Bigelow, who is a billionaire and UFO aficionado, purchased the place. Uh, Bigelow is the kind of guy who has like two private satellites and extensive resources, and he uses almost all of them to investigate UFOs. Um, He's donated millions to UFO research uh, groups, um, but he decided to purchase the ranch from the family because of everything that they reported in the UFOs in the area. Uh, and he set up a team of investigators. It was the first time that there was a well-funded investigation team on site actually trying to see what was going on. So the invers- investigators discovered several weird things. Um, first, they discovered that a way to get activity to happen of any kind was A, bring new people to the ranch, B, disturb the earth, and C, be loud. Talk shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they would they would bring on heavy machinery uh, to, like, till up the earth because they discovered that was one of, like, the big things that made stuff happen. There was something about digging that unsettled whatever was going on in the area. And then they would build a fire at night and they would, like, get drunk and dance around it. And that was, it wasn't, you know, 100%, but they also said that the phenomena does what it wants and it knows what you're going to do before you do it. It's smarter than you and it's, it's going to prove that to you. So that, ah. yeah, yeah. So in addition to everything else, th- this is the, the real crazy stuff that, that kind of blows my mind. Uh, they experienced invisible monsters that had like a sheen to them. Almost like, have you ever seen the movie Predator? Yes. Yeah, when he turns invisible, but there's like that kind of like weird sheen where you can kind of see him in the light. They would yeah. report seeing monsters like that, these massive like elephant-sized creatures. And at one point they brought on uh, a meditative psychic who said that he would try to feel the spirit of the area. And as this guy's meditating, the investigators are standing nearby, one of them sees this sheen and they feel the earth start to shake as this creature they can't really see comes running towards them. And then they, they feel the heat of this thing's breath as it roars in this guy's ear. And, yeah, they said that he had a mental breakdown and had to be removed, like, immediately from the property. I bet. So, uh, the other weird thing is the portals. This this is what really blows my mind. They would frequently see almost interdimensional portals open up on the ranch itself. Uh, They saw one that opened in the night sky, and as they looked at, you know, just circular portal, it showed clear blue daylight sky on the other side. Hmm. So is this another time? Is this another place? Did it open on the ground or like um, 
upwards like you could walk through it the the one that showed the sky opened like in the sky itself in the sky itself yeah but there so was off the ground yes but there was another one that opened four feet off the ground they were recording when they saw this uh the recordings supposedly haven't been released uh they were recording with infrared and with a regular camera uh the infrared showed almost what looked like a 3d tunnel almost like a wormhole which is weird mm. but the naked eye saw something else it saw a portal of light and then in that portal of light, they saw two hands grab on either side, almost like it was like a doorway, and then pull itself through as they watched this eight-foot-tall being made of shadow. They said it was incredibly muscular. It had no neck but a, a big head. Yeah. And it pulled itself through and then ran off into the night. So um, that's out there well, somewhere. That's, so that's just to hear now. Right. So that one, more than anything... That one fucks me up because I can see just the hands and just pulling itself. Oh man, oof! I'm imagining like a handsome Squidward. <laughs> I I did not have that. I had I had probably like the Shadow Hulk, as I think. <laughs> Shadow Hulk. <laughs> well, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So so don't that's, love that. Yeah. So that's that's location number four. That's that's the last of my locations. So. Yeah, just, just to review real fast, we've got um, location one was in, uh, you said, wasn't a big fan of, you know, snowy Russia mountain area. That one's, it's called like Yuri Pass or something, right? Dyatlov. Dyatlov Pass. It is named after Igor Dyatlov, who was one, who mm. was the leader of the skiing group. And uh, we'll, we'll touch on the, the theories behind that in a second. Dating location two was uh, the castle in Chechia. Mm-hmm. Uh, dating location three was the triangle in Massachusetts and location four was the ranch in Utah. So I also kind of worked like furthest from you to closest to you just to see if I could like, you know, get you to go somewhere else or if you just want to take a short drive to Utah. Um, I mean, I do like, I do like Western ranch settings. Mm -hmm. I think I may have talked about this on the show before, but I always feel very strongly that in a past you know, some people are like, I was meant to be born in this time period. I was meant to live this life. Oh, I sure. feel in my heart that I was meant to die um, going westward. Like, I really feel that. <laughs> I was meant to die on the trail. I was meant to die in, like, a ramshackle home on a really shitty western town. So, for me ranches in the west have a very soft spot in my heart because i feel like that's where i could have died that's interesting not a lot of people think like oh i could have died then it's just no right, I, yeah. I would have lived and... no that's, no, that's I, an interesting way to look at it but i see what I feel you mean. the i feel the other side of it i you feel do. like that's how i should have died and somewhere in donner so, pass see, exactly. i should have been with i should have been with the donner party and i should have been one of the people who didn't make it out i feel that very strongly yeah by the way there's um, another sad spot that i didn't want to cover because it's just 100 percent tragedy it is there's also there's a very good novel that came out i think two years ago called the hunger by alma kitsu yeah i think I her last about. name is kitsu it's about the donner party mm -hmm. it's obviously a a fictional it's a horror reimagining <laughs> very good i like it quite a lot it spooked me big time uh shout out to alma kitsu she does follow me on twitter so oh lucky you. 
<laughs> um, she may have unfollowed me. I don't really check. <laughs> <laughs> but she did follow me at some point. That's all that matters. Um, so for me, the place in Utah, definitely a special, special place in my heart. I've been to the East Coast many a time. I like the East Coast. I don't ever see myself dying there. Okay. So it's always been a very transitional place to me. Um, I don't like the snow. I don't think I want to live on a mountain. I, um, yeah, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm liking the second location, the, the wooden castle with no kitchen. I definitely. What is a stone castle now? So it's a stone castle yeah, with no kitchen right. and it would be an inward defense, yeah. uh, which is good for, um, not, not for security, but for just <laughs> peace of mind. Sure. Uh, if anything got too wild, I know that there would be people just able to take me out. And I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think that one is the one that I'm going to go with. Okay. Is settling down. Yeah. That is Huska castle in uh, in, in Chechia. Uh, yeah. Like I, not really, uh, much else than what I, I shared about it. I, I think a, a genuinely, a uh, creepy place with lots of creepy stuff around it and not really like a lot to support life but hey more power to you so yeah you have congratulations you got a castle nice. and you know for like a nice date you just you spread out like a like a little blanket in the the chapel center on top of the hell hole and you and your monster of choice can just like have some nice cheeses and and maybe you know like if, if things get serious you can go out to Prague and explore yeah a little charcuterie board yeah just roast it over the brimstone pit. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah, there. You go. You got a kitchen. It just everything's gonna <laughs> smell like brimstone and suffering. Uh, okay. And what is the name of the triangle in Massachusetts? Yeah. So um, we'll we'll, actually, we'll go with uh, by numbers. So you, the Atlas okay. Pass was, of course, the first one, which you you noted, uh, which, like I said, was noted for uh, Igor Dyatlov, who was the leader of the, the skiing group. Um, hey, congratulations, Igor! You died horribly, but you named a place that didn't have a name. I guess it had Dead Mountain or Do Not Go There, but now your name's forever. Now the name is Don't Go There, Igor Did, and it didn't turn out real great. <laughs> and this this whole uh, mystery is like the Russian version of the Kennedy assassination. No one really knows what happened. Um, I actually did read a book called Dead Mountain by uh, Donny Icar, which was phenomenal, where he does touch on all of the, uh, the various theories, uh, which involve an avalanche, because they were on the side of a mountain, um, government testing site mm-hmm. slash like the government killed them because they were on the testing site. Um, mm-hmm. Yetis, monster bears, UFOs, um, freak winter storms or a freak winter tornado was a theory. Uh, escaped prisoner attack because there actually was a gulag that was kind of nearby. Um, Russian moonshine blindness is my fur favorite that they got drunk on super fucked up moonshine literally went blind and forgot they weren't wearing clothes and then just died in the woods interesting yeah the whole like soft bits missing is kind of theorized that like oh that's just what animals well that's what animals would eat right um and the whole not being dressed is theorized to be paradoxical undressing which is the concept that happens a lot of times in extreme winter situations where the body will trick you into thinking that it's overheated and uh, it will force people to go out into the snow relatively unclothed and die. It's it's really messed up, but it, it does happen. Mm. But the weirdest thing is that there absolutely was a clear cover-up from the government. The government is still to this day, the Russian government is still to this day, um, hiding information about what really happened there. And it will be potentially never released. 
So that's. Hmm. I think that maybe they found the Yetis, and at the first snowmen. they were the snowmen. They were at first they were scared, but then the snowmen were like, "Dudes, this mountain's quite big enough. Um, if you guys are just passing through, we're totally fine to share some of our wicked hooch with you." Um, and the secret camera just has photos of them partying with the snowmen, living living it up, having such a good time, and the government was like, this can't happen because the Yeti, the myth of the Yeti is actually a very important crowd control resource to okay. keep people from coming here. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to fuck these guys up um, and release, you know, some information. So people really think that the snowmen killed them, but really the snowmen are really great guys. Okay. I was wondering where the horrifying death was going to come in. And I thought it was going to be, they just partied too hard and like the Yetis just hugged them too hard. And the Yeti's like, no. oh no, I broke my friends. No, the government killed them to maintain the lie that okay. Yeti are dangerous. But really, Yeti are Yetis are the frat bros of the Sasquatch world. They are very white. <laughs> They're very white. Their their middle names are all Chad, and they love to party. So, as as, as a fraternity man, because frat is a four letter word. Shut up. <laughs> I will say that I only had one fraternity brother whose middle name was Chad. Actually, I have no idea. My, the, probably they all were. I don't know. But yes, we do like to party. We do like to party. <laughs> so yeah, I was thinking that, you know, everything about it, it absolutely does sound like a Yeti attack. I mean, the broken bones, the, like, the trying to climb a tree, the tent and everything. But it also sounds like the, the Yetis teamed up with the UFO because of the treetops and the radiation. And I think, I think Bigfoot's are aliens. I said it before, I'll say it again. Mm, maybe maybe the aliens were dropping the yetis off that, after a fun weekend and they just so happened to accidentally drop on these people. Dude, I 100% think that, that Bigfoot and, and yetis may or may not be connected to UFOs because they are often seen in conjunction with one another. Bigfoot sightings often coincide with UFO sightings. And I'm just like, that's why we can't find them because the UFOs keep picking them up. Because they keep picking them up, yeah. Because this is like, day, this is do, the earth is doggy daycare. It has to be. Although I do really like the theory that Bigfoot is just like the ghost of Neanderthal man. <laughs> I heard that one the other day. I was like, oh, that's that's fun. That's kind of a fun one. Get this and paranormal he's, just like, he's like, ooh, I'm spooked. What's going on here? Ooh. I mean, I feel like if you're a ghost that's old enough, you have to be more spooked by what's going on than we're spooked of you. Yeah, I wish there were dinosaur ghosts now that I'm thinking about it. They would be so spooked. That'd be cool. Yeah, they would They'd be. They'd be like, what is this tiny naked rat and why <laughs> is he, why does he have a car? I don't get it. I didn't get a car. I never had a car. What are cell phones? Why didn't we have them? Why are they so tiny? They would be... They would be, their bean would be freaked. Absolutely. Oh, and actually, I've been waiting since the first episode of Monster Crush to say this. Uh, the brontosaurus type dinosaur in Central Africa is Mokele Ombembe. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I don't remember how I pronounced it, but I know it was You wrong. didn't. It's okay. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things about you. <laughs> I pronounce everything wrong, and I will never apologize. It is, it is 100% part of your charm. <laughs> So we talked okay. about dating location two. So dating location yep. three is the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, Bridgewater. Which, oh, I got accepted into Bridgewater University in Massachusetts. I did not attend. Uh, that's obviously. good because there would have been a lot of shit going on. <laughs> They'll be like, welcome to our college anyways. Good luck. Yeah, no, I watched a documentary on it. Everybody was so sad. 
everybody there was so sad. They're just like, yeah, there's a lot of murder around here and drugs and monsters. And why do we live here? It's like, we got the chocolate chip cookie. But yeah, there's also all the other horrible stuff. <laughs> there was a spooky part of the documentary where they're interviewing a guy who's talking about the wampum belt, which supposedly set everything off. And as he says, the wampum belt needs to be returned to the Wampanoag people. Literally right. all the lights in the studio go out. They all burn out Ooh. at the same time. And then the, the text replace all the lights and he says it again and they go out again. I was like, oh man, that's good. Damn. So yeah, Spooky. Bridgewater Triangle and then dating location four, which was in uh, Utah, you went to Basin, is Skinwalker Ranch, which Skinwalker Ah, so there are a lot of skinwalkers there. That is that is part of the native theory, which skinwalkers are a very interesting um, cryptid. Uh, they're part of the the Navajo, or sorry, Navajo uh, myth or or lore or legend or reality, who knows? Uh, but they're not really a lot known about them because the Navajo believe that because they're beings of intense evil, it's taboo to speak of them to anybody outside of Navajo culture. Yes. Um, and it's said... We also, in our culture, we definitely associate them with, as some type of werewolf creature. Absolutely. But that's not necessarily true. Right. They are considered to be, uh, some type of shapeshifter, but it's almost like, um, like a warlock kind of pact because... To get that power, you have to be involved in the murder of a family member or an innocent. So the, right. there is an inherent evil to the skinwalker. Right. There's some some suggestion that they could have been medicine men or women who mm -hmm. committed a crime, and so like kind of took took their their sacred gift and used it for evil, which is what creates the skinwalker. Kind of transforms them into this evil being. Right. And there are tons of spooky, scary stories about skinwalkers that we're not going to talk about just for, for time on this one. But the place really gained the, the ranch, Skinwalker Ranch, I mean, with a name like that, obviously there's stuff going on. Uh, but the place gained notoriety in 2005 when George Knapp, who was actually one of the investigators hired by Bob Bigelow, uh, he wrote the book Hunt for the Skinwalker, uh, which he did just to gain some uh, attention and try to see if anybody else was experiencing that stuff. And it really gained some notoriety for uh, the place. And there was a documentary uh, with the same title, which is on Hulu right now. Uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker, which uh, talks about a lot of the same stuff I did and, uh, and goes a little more in depth into it as well. And the one thing they really talk about is that they, they have something they believe that will change the way that we see reality. Reality isn't what we think it is. And they, mm -hmm. they have information that they're waiting to reveal because apparently they're also working in conjunction with the U.S. government. Because the, mm. they're saying that these portals are basically, you know, a threat to national defense. If something can just open a portal anywhere and something can walk out, that's an issue. So they, they haven't revealed what they've what they figured out yet. But they said they went in looking for UFOs and they discovered something that makes UFOs seem just like common knowledge. Mm. <clears throat> so that's interesting. So I do want to thank my, my sources uh, for all of this. I did watch the documentary Hunt for the Skinwalker uh, by Jeremy Kenyon and Lockyer. Uh, I did watch the documentary The Bridgewater Triangle, directed by Aaron Cadu and Manny Fomorle and Corbell. And I did listen to last podcast on the left, especially episodes 114, 152, 352, 353, and 354. Um, there were several episodes of Lore, uh, and also several episodes of the podcast Astonishing Legends. Uh, all of these... All great podcasts. All great podcasts. And and to put this one alongside it, mwah, perfect. Chef's kiss. 
there are also two books. Uh, there's American Monsters by Linda S. Godfrey, which I highly, highly recommend. Linda S. Godfrey is a phenomenal journalist and writer uh, who first investigated the uh, Beast of Bray Road and has since written on um, the countless uh, Wolfman and Dogman sightings. Um, and she is, like I said, an incredible writer. And then Dead Mountain uh, by Donnie Icar, which talks about the Diablo Pass. So thanks to all of them uh, for the incredible detail and, uh, and work that they put in that I piggybacked off of. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate you so much for having me on. This was so much uh, fun. Derek, where can people find you? Uh, yeah. Um, I am uh, dsword16 on Twitter, or if you want to be buddies on Discord, I do that there too. Because Heavily and I, of course, met each other through uh, TTRPG streaming. I do stream uh, from time to time. Uh, as of right now, you can find me Tuesdays, including uh, today is the 14th. Uh, so every other Tuesday on the Discord, or I'm sorry, the Twitch channel on Canny Adventures, where I play a Call of Cthulhu game. Uh, you can find me Saturday mornings on Half Rate Heroes, where I'm guesting for the time being, and uh, Saturday evenings for um, was it, uh, Guild Spotlight on the Stalwart channel. Gosh, I think that's everything. And yeah, uh, like I said, Derek Sword. Sword is my last name. It's my real last name. Uh, yes, it's awesome. And no, you can't have it. <laughs> Did your wife take your last name when you two got married? Uh, she has not yet because um, just uh, her name's Samantha. She's, um, well, first of all, she's a nurse, which means that if she takes my last name, um, it is <laughs> probably three days worth of paperwork just to get all of her licenses and everything changed over. So that's our, that's valid. That's our five-year anniversary. Um, the second thing is she's worried that as a pediatric nurse, like being paged as a nurse sword is going to terrify children. I told her it makes her sound like a superhero. I don't. Yeah, I think children would love that. Right, Sammy Sword. That's that's the third reason. So yeah, that's a great name. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, that was a very good episode. Thank you so much. Um, You can find this podcast on Twitter at Monster Crushing, and you can find me at that is my real name. T H T is my real name. Please like and review us. I like it when we get reviews. If you do a review, I'll read it out loud, uh, even if it's a mean review. But if it <laughs> is a mean review, I will say mean things back. Like, for real, I'm very good at coming up with mean things back. I work at a bar, and I have a degree in psychology. So don't even test me on that. So yeah. it'd be great if you wrote a nice review, because then I could say nice things back. And isn't that much more wonderful? You can find us on all the, all the, I, all the podcast apps, like, iTunes and Spotify and whatever else, however you're listening to this. I don't however know. Podcasts. How, however you're listening to it is how you listen to it, so then you know where to get it. I don't think we've ever really officially come up with like a outro. We've like tried stay spooky, um, stay scary, stay scared. Let's do the monster smash. Stay spooked. I like that. Let's let's monster smash is a good one. But good luck is I think really the best <laughs> way that we can There's some poor buying places in this world. Good luck. Stay out <laughs> of them. Good luck. Good luck and stay sexy. There's shadow monsters out there. Good luck. Good luck. Handsome Squidward is coming for you. (laughs) So good luck with that. And tweet at me if it happens. Oh, that's good. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll be back in, I don't know, two weeks or whatever. Bye, everybody. Time means nothing to me. Bye. (laughs)